So hi Andy, great to see you again. Um, I was wondering if you could just give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, so my name is Andy Kalewis. Um, good to see you again. Um, and uh, I'm the SVP for Brand Digital and Communications at Cielo Talent. So in effect, that's a full service employer branding and recruitment marketing agency which operates within the guise of an RPO. Okay. And do you just do that for Cielo's direct clients, the RPO clients, or do you do it externally for other clients as well? Probably 70% of uh, the work is for the RPO clients and 30 or 40% um, are uh, just direct and, and aren't RPO. Okay, well, can you give us some examples of the kind of clients you've done work with? Yeah, um, you can probably um, mostly consolidate them into three sectors. So a lot of healthcare, particularly in North America, um, healthcare systems, um, insurance providers and so forth. Um, quite a few technology companies, either direct uh, uh, technology or they're more traditional market sectors and they're trying to hire tech or digital or, or uh, so forth talent. Um, and then really a lot of um, engineering and manufacturing. Um, so uh, many, most of them really are, are fairly large. Um, and for most of them, there'll be a blend of employer branding, uh, websites, social media, recruitment marketing, all the kind of good stuff that you would expect from a marketing agency. Okay, good. Why do they come to you rather than doing that kind of work themselves? Um, well, um, I think if you're in talent acquisition now, um, it's, uh, it's a pretty different landscape from 10, 15 years ago. Uh, I think there are so many components now that you have to be an expert in. Uh, you have to be an expert in technology, you have to be an expert in marketing, you have to be an expert in sourcing, interviewing, assessment, psychology, uh, soothsaying. I mean, there's a, a huge amount really that the talent acquisition teams need to get their heads around. Um, and I guess from, uh, from our perspective, um, either they'll outsource all of this to us, we'll be an agency of record, uh, or they'll partner with us to augment and boost what they're doing. Um, and I think if you can get it right, there's a really good blend of, uh, of in-house expertise, but also leveraging third-party knowledge and scale. I mean, everyone obviously needs to scale in a way that's meaningful and sustainable, um, but really for, from our perspective, if you can get the best insights from both inside and outside the market, you should be able to do something special. Do you think the skill of, a, of marketing is an important one for recruiters to have nowadays? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, I, it's, it's kind of funny, I used to work in B2B and B2C and, and the reality is that um, we're selling a career here, not a widget or a, a product. Um, and that's, in, in my humble opinion, um, is a pretty sophisticated sell. Um, and so if you spend a lot of time with headhunters, um, they're quite interesting because they really get um, how I would define employer branding. So looking at intrinsic, looking at extrinsic, um, looking at what are those motivators and drivers are. And, and actually those headhunters have always been pretty sophisticated in understanding how to sell a role to a very, very senior client. Uh, and I think what we can see now with the, the market is, um, as we've scaled, as markets have, have become harder to, to penetrate, as, as uh, jobs and roles get more, more niche, um, and certainly as skills get more transferable, and indeed you get more entrance into your marketplace, I think it's an imperative for everyone to really be clear as to what differentiates that company and how to sell that role to that candidate. Uh, they get so many messages now, so many approaches, um, that actually if you're not really clear on what that looks like and you're not able to market that uh, really well, then you're gonna struggle. Um, I think um, when we, um, if you look at um, Sergio Zyman, he was the chief marketing officer of, of Coca-Cola and he, he kind of coined this phrase, marketing's um, you know, nothing more than selling more, more stuff to more people more often for more money. And sometimes when you think about employer branding, is that actually just the ability to sell more careers to more people for more value to all of the various stakeholders at less cost? And there's no other reason to do it. So I think marketing is a, is a key discipline now. So talk to me about 
talent pipelining, talent pools, talent communities, what are they? Are those, dif are those things different? Yeah, I think um, kind of a, there's a number of kind of buzzwords around um, in, our, in our industry and we all know what they are and, and community has been very much one of those um, over the last five, ten years. Um, however, I think it's really only the last year or two where we've really been able to understand what that looks like and, and more importantly build them and, and, and take advantage. Uh, but for us, if, if we were to kind of quickly define um, pipelinings, pool, talent pools and communities, um, pipelines really are generally specific to a role, one particular role with specific criteria. They generally tend to be um, short-term in, in focus um, and it's uh, with a specific um, end goal in mind. Um, talent pools, when we think about that, we think more about broader job segments or it could be locations or countries. So it could be that we're looking at the UK or North America um, or it could be that we're looking at sales or technology. Um, equally, of course, it could also be career states. So when we think about graduates then, or emerging talent, then very often, um, fundamentally that's a talent pool because you might have sales, marketing, operations, whatever, finance, whatever it might be. So we very much look at that as, as, as talent pools. They generally tend to be a little bit more mid-term in nature. Um, and again, some of the methodology as to how you go about identifying, sourcing, and nurturing those people might be quite different from a pipeline per se. This, this notion of community has been really interesting. So in the consumer world, we've long talked about developing communities, crowdsourcing, and, and so forth. Uh, when we think about it from a talent acquisition perspective or from a talent perspective, um, community traditionally has been more relevant to certain job industries. So for example, healthcare and hospitals. Those organizations, particularly in North America, you're selling to, caring for, and hiring from the same group of people. Um, public sector over here in the UK, um, very much a, a multi-dimensional brand scenario. Uh, and often when you speak to um, those kind of senior stakeholders and those organizations, particularly healthcare in North America, they don't get this concept of employer brand. There is only one brand. Uh, and fundamentally, to differentiate what it means to be a nurse or a physician there doesn't really work for them. So when we think about communities, um, here we have a much longer term play. We have a much more multi-dimensional and strategic play. And that is that recruiting, even that's though our core objective, um, actually isn't the only priority, isn't the only goal. Um, equally, I think another big, um, another big influence or change in the market over the last few year is, years is the growth of total talent, as we call it. And so for many organizations, the rise of the gig economy and the rise of um, contract working and changes in, in contract loyalty, what that kind of means is people aren't looking for organizations and jobs with them in the same way that they used to. What that actually means is that we need to be able to engage a gig workforce, which actually is quite transient. And actually, do you know what? They will know a lot more about your market than, than you will, because they've gone in to all of your major competitors, spent some time in there and, and gone beyond. And so those, those are the other kind of dimensions where not only is it really important for your talent acquisition and indeed your talent management, but actually there's a huge amount of market intelligence that's out there as well, which if you're able to manage in a really, uh, in a good way, work closely with corporate comms, marketing and the business um, areas, there's some huge value there. Okay. So as we said, there's some crossover there, isn't there, between the community, the pipeline and the pools, et cetera. Drilling down to a bit more detail, um, talent pipelining is probably the buzziest of the buzzwords that are being used at the moment. Um, how, how would an organisation identify whether building a talent pipelining is the right approach for a particular, a particular role or a particular type of role? Yeah, we talk a lot um, uh, about the need to be um, 
a lot more predictive in how we go about things. <clears throat> you know, one of the challenges with the talent markets is that they're moving so quickly. Um, it's actually quite difficult to be able to ID something before it's then moved and morphed and changed into something else. Um, <clears throat> so from our perspective, um, it's no good an organization going, well, I, I can't predict my workforce. I, ha I haven't got a workforce plan. Well, you're not going to suddenly start selling fridges if you're in technology. Well, maybe you could, but you know what I mean. Um, so the reality is that um, they really need to be able to segment their workforce by function, by state, and by location. Um, they need to gather the right information and data, not just on their own workforce, working closely with org dev, um, but obviously working closely with, um, with ex external market insights. Um, if they've got the right personas, if they've got the right data, if they can also understand supply and demand, then looking at that, they need to bear in mind talent economics. Okay, do you think that you can keep cranking the wheel and starting a new process and you're going to be successful in finding people? Or is that talent market so hot, so condensed, that actually you need to build a more sustainable way of doing that? And that means that you might need to build in, uh, invest uh, in some infrastructure, uh, CRM, um, CRM strategies, communications, engagement, hire slightly different people to manage those. So there is definitely a talent economics about it, and that's all about your propensity to succeed in finding the right talent. Is it just a pipeline and it's a recruiting job, or is it harder and you need talent pools and communities? Okay, interesting. So if we were building a talent pipeline, we've decided it's the right approach, it's something we should do for a particular role or role type, where would somebody start with that? Um, well, I, I think, um, we must never forget that this is a recruiting effort. I mean, actually, if you're working closely with your um, people and culture colleagues, it's more than that. But for the purpose of, of talent acquisition, it's a recruiting effort. So um, the first thing is to understand within your workforce strategy and your talent acquisition strategy, how does this fit in? So that strategy and that plan is the key point. Um, making sure you've got those right insights and data that I was talking about. Um, and then we need to build the infrastructure. From my perspective, at the heart of that actually is technology. Uh, in fact, it's the blend of technology and the right talent pool stroke community leader. High tech, high touch, if you like. Um, the reality is that the market has moved on so exponentially in the last couple of years. CRM really is old hat now, uh, table stake stuff in, in many respects. But what's really interesting is that those technology providers have really pulled in a lot of consumer techniques, um, consumerism, AI, whatever you want to call it, which provides uh, fantastic platforms for us to really be able to scale a lot of the things that we need to do. So once you've got the right piece of technology in, uh, you've got the right methodology process that's in place, you've got the right segments and the right CRM strategy for how you go about that, here then is where you start to then think more about some of the marketing and engagement techniques. So got your infrastructure, got your process, got your recruiters and your people. Now actually you may well need a, a community manager or a talent pool manager as well. Then you need to think about what's that nurturing engagement and conversion strategy? What communications do you need? How do you integrate that with, with great events? How do you leverage social media in a meaningful way, not a way that makes it look like your dad's dancing? Um, how do you then underpin all of that with a smart website whereby you're able to capture all of these little pieces of data or moments or signals or whatever it might be so that you can then continue to engage that person before you bring them desperate for the job at the, uh, at the, uh, the actual final interview.
So um, I think it's a combination of a number of those different steps. So it's all about driving people through that funnel in essence. Yeah, and it, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, you know, if, if, if you're looking at the consumer funnel, um, you know, you're really thoughtful and mindful for every single marginal gain of 0.01 efficiency percentage here and there when you're doing it at volume. And I think we should be taking some of the same principles and deploying it for talent acquisition. Uh, we've got the machinery, we've got the technology, we can gather this data, but there's no point gathering all of this data if it's not aligned into the funnel, knowing that you've got the right candidate generation. And what we mean by candidate generation is um, generating enough meaningful candidates so that you can go through the funnel at the appropriate ratios, but more importantly, that you spit out qualified, available, and interested talent, which then gives those hiring managers and business leaders a, a choice. Any examples of um, campaigns you guys have run in talent pipeline? Yeah, so um, a, a lot of the um, a lot of the ones that we've run have generally tended to be around very specific roles, so technology roles, um, data and, and analytics, um, and then also things like physicians and doctors and so forth. So, um, you know, we're very fortunate to to have uh, a number of healthcare organisations in North America, but also here as well. Uh, and what we find is that nurses, in particular, um, particularly in North America, um, is a, a very specific environment where, you know, this is a known universe. You know, you basically know all the nurses that have come through. Same with data scientists, same with, with technologists. Um, so if you've got a known universe of those individuals, you can identify them all. If you can identify them all, you can get them into your CRM system and then you can start to organize that. Um, but again, we find um, a lot of uh, traction for building talent pools and communities in engineering as well, particularly around oil and gas, a very known sector, um, hot spotted in some specific locations. Um, and fundamentally, um, if you're able to ID, um, you know, 95% of the potential and available talent, you can categorize it into priorities as to which you think are, are A, right, and B, available or you could get. Um, and then deploy it in that way. Um, and I think you know, some of those organizations in technology, in engineering, and in healthcare um, are probably um, a little bit further down the road than, than many of the other sectors, um, mostly because it's driven by need. Okay, and they, can, they know their addressable market or their universe, and then it's a case of using the right activities, the right content to drive people through the funnel, qualify, unqualify, et cetera. What, what are the various different pieces of content or activity that somebody might want to consider in terms of um, moving somebody through that funnel? Yeah, um, so um, content's such an interesting thing. I mean, again, that's another buzzword, content's king and all that kind of good stuff, and it's been around for uh, however many years. Um, but the reality is that um, content is only king if it's super relevant, hyper relevant, hyper personalized. Um, so again, if we've, uh, if we've segmented our workforce and our potential workforce and we're really clear, not just around the job segments, but around the personas, emotional drivers, intrinsic and extrinsic as much as anything else, then really we can get hyper-targeted in the kind of content that we're producing. So we manage social media on behalf of 32 organizations, so I don't know, 150, 200 profiles plus. Uh, what that does is give us a really interesting insight as to what content's interesting. And again, you've got to think about the, the different types of content. So not everyone wants to see hot jobs. Not everyone wants to see a day in the life of, or someone you know, sitting on a chair being pushed around an office with a, a video cam. Um, they still want to understand corporate comms. They still want to understand what's going on in the marketplace, but also how that's relevant to them in their career. 
they want to see the leaders. They want to understand the leaders' journeys. They want to see what the latest projects are. So when we, when we work with our social media clients, um, we'll generally tend to uh, calibrate the right mix of content. Corporate, careers, specific jobs, specific locations, um, and, and specific to that particular talent segment. And again, another thing there is considering you know, what's, ev what's evergreen, what's crowdsourced, what's user-generated, um, and all that kind of stuff. And the reality now is that for most, uh, for most people looking to make a decision as to whether they join a company, you know, they really want to know what, it, what it's like. It's not, it's not just about money, corner office, uh, and all that kind of good stuff now. Um, in the old days, we used to say, um, if you're building an employer brand, in the first instance, you think about um, the extrinsic drivers, money, success, power. And then you think about the more intrinsic, which is more about engagement. Actually, these days, I think most people, particularly in niche, um, sorry, niche uh, sectors, they want to know who the people are. They want to know what the culture's like. They want to know what it's going to feel like. They want to know what other people are saying. So I think when thinking about a content strategy, um, just keeping all of that in mind to be multidimensional is probably, probably our biggest recommendation. You talked earlier about incremental gains. So there's 0.01% tweaks yes. here and there and improvements. What are the key metrics you need to be mindful of in terms of measuring the success of a talent mm. pipeline or community or pool? Yeah, so, so we've, um, we, we kind of broken it down into, um, in, into a, a methodology that works for us um, and most of our clients. Um, so overarching is a philosophy that we have, which is talent magnetism. Um, so just thinking holistically around that, the, the, the point of talent magnetism is that it's hard to go out there um, and fight time and time again for talent. Um, if you're able to position yourself as a talent magnet, you're going to not only draw the right people to you, you're probably going to make sure the, the wrong people deselect, and then more importantly, they don't walk straight in through the front door and out the back. But actually, um, we all need a proper ROI dashboard. And so for us, that means in the front end, awareness, engagement, conversion, um, and then success. So awareness is all of the good things that might be around talent brand index or uh, universal rankings, um, you know, volume of traffic to your website, um, you know, numbers of fans and followers, and, and that real top level suspect, if you like. You know, these people are part of our vista. They could be relevant. Engagement is then more where the rubber hits the road. You know, what then are the metrics by which we're engaging or capturing these people? Again, on social media, this is about um, actually registering, engaging, downloading, referring, whatever it might be. In the website, this is more about stickiness, engagement, the amount of content or data that we're able to gather. Um, and of course, let's not forget um, high tech, high touch events. How many people are we getting to our events and what kind of engagement are we getting? Um, reality is that the only important yardstick is conversion. How does that then translate into the top of the funnel and at every stage down? And how do we make sure that we've got the right ratios between? And there's an enormous amount of analysis that you can do at each of those points. So at a macro level, we try and get our clients to think bold and think disruptive. You know, why are you trying to open an office in, um, in uh, city X when there's no one that fits the bill for a thousand kilometers around it? Um, but actually, incremental gains at each stage, st at each steps of that, will actually add up to some pretty good value. Excellent. Good. And sorry, the final piece um, I forgot to say um, is then that success. Uh, so again, for most of our, our, our partners and our clients, 
um, talent acquisition success metrics is one thing. How's it actually adding value to the organization? What do we mean by quality of hire? And so from our perspective, when we look at those dashboards, um, some of those traditional stuff like you know, quality of hire, surveys and so forth, promotion, retention, recruitment, prevention, time to hire is still really important because actually that shows a sustainable talent pool. Um, actually, how does it then translate into organizational performance? Increased sales, increased productivity, market differentiation. So again, if we can track and measure all of those different components, you're making sure you're answering the business case and the ROI case to different stakeholders. So social media, clearly an important part in most organizations' attraction strategy. But does it really work? The, uh, the old million dollar question, how really do you measure social media and, and indeed marketing? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it does. Um, you know, the, the reality is that um, a few years ago we, we talked, um, when we really thought about social media, you know, the, the angle there was you, you've got to meet your people where, where they are. <clears throat> you know, your, your lovely career site that you spent a huge amount of money, if it's not really connected um, into, into those talent communities or those talent markets, then it's an island, an unconnected island. And so really when we think about, um, you know, the, the careers website, the shop window to your uh, organization, um, how do you make sure that it is signposted and connected as much as possible? There are many different ways to do that, but social media is absolutely one of those. Um, <clears throat> again, um, you know, when we think about the 30, 30 odd um, clients that we deliver social media for, it's really interesting looking at the different mix of platforms and medias that, that gets used. Um, but as long as we're really clear as to what these um, uh, communities are, what these social medias are, and how best to leverage them, and we've got the right metrics aligned against them, then they can be enormously successful. So for example, um, you've got to be really, really clear, are you using social media for awareness? Are you using social media for conversion? Or actually, increasingly, are you actually using it simply for reputation management? Uh, of course, there is a question, how do you really define social media? Is LinkedIn actually a social media? Um, is Glassdoor a social media? So, um, so from our perspective, uh, we always try and be really, really clear up front. Um, if we're talking about awareness, then those are slightly different statistics and, and data points that we're gathering. If we're talking about conversion, then how does that integrate into a broader sourcing, attraction, nurturing approach? Um, if we're talking about reputation management, that's as much of a corporate comms discipline as it is an HR and, and talent discipline. Uh, but no, we, we, we find that people, um, organizations, more and more are using them, and I think they're more and more getting sophisticated in understanding how best to leverage them and then deploying the right technology and indeed people and thus content to make them successful. And assuming that everybody is pretty much using social media in some way, shape or form um, from an organization perspective and personal perspective, how can an organization actually differentiate themselves from the noise that's out there and actually make themselves stand out on social? Yeah, um, so the, the psychology of having a job with an employer is pretty bizarre. Yeah, I mean, in the old days of command and control structures, um, you know, we'd, we'd get into work at 8.30 in the morning and we'd walk through the front door and then, huzzah, we'd be a completely different being. We'd behave in a totally different way. Um, and we do things that you just wouldn't do in your personal life. And equally, all those things that you did in your personal life, you wouldn't do in work. Probably a good job at times. Um, but the reality is that um, 
uh, social media and the digitization, not just of our work environment, but obviously consumer uh, and, and how we conduct our lives, uh, means that actually um, how people use social media, not just the what, but the how, in itself can be really interesting. Um, so for example, the traditional big three or four, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, um, and Glassdoor. Um, actually, um, if you break the demographics down, then obviously the, the, the standard thing to say as well, you know, Instagram and now uh, Snapchat, um, obviously Pinterest in, in certain ways. Um, so if an organization is going to be properly using social media, and it should because social media is there whether they're part of it or not, um, then it really needs to be mindful around what its strategy is. Do you just stick to the core four? Are you a big professional services organization or a regulated environment, a pharmaceutical business or whatever it might be? Um, or actually, even if you are a regulated environment, could how you use social media be the people behind the product, the people behind the service? And when we work with corporate comms and marketing, one of the great things for us is, look, we're another whole channel. You can't add a huge amount of personality um, sometimes in a regulated environment, but actually the people that work behind the scenes can. And if you then represent that, and more importantly, get people to get involved on social media, it can be really, really powerful. Um, equally, of course, if you're a, a consumer business and, and your demographic is um, you know, up to 25, 26, 27, um, then actually there's a lot of really good things that you can do on Snapchat and Instagram. Um, obviously, most 18-year-olds uh, now, including my daughter, wouldn't be seen dead on Facebook uh, because their dad's there. But it's still the biggest advertising generator, and I think used appropriately, <clears throat> it's a good opportunity. But again, <clears throat> excuse me, this also comes down to your employer brand, your personality, your tone of voice, the content that you're generating. Social media, in many respects, is the mechanism and the vehicle, but at the heart of all of this is as humans, because we've always wanted to tell stories. You know, we've always been worried about our reputation or, or how we perceive other things. And we always respond to experiences. And so social media just simply gives us another vehicle to do that. Um, what's your view on user-generated content versus the kind of corporate content that's been pulled together by a, a marketing team or a comms team? Um, it's a great question. Um, I think for, uh, for organizations that get it right, um, corporate construct marketing work well with people and culture or HR or, or what, talent or, or whatever it might be. And again, going back to what you said, it, I think there is only actually one brand. Um, you know, this, this whole construct of employer branding um, in many respects um, you know, is, is a construct. Uh, and so if you're able to tell the story of that brand, um, harnessing corporate comms, harnessing marketing, harnessing HR and talent, um, then the sum becomes greater than the parts. Um, of course, the cliche in the generalization is that uh, corporate generated content generally is a little bit stiffer, maybe not quite as engaging, perhaps lacks in a little bit of personality. Um, but then again, one of the key uh, requirements of that department um, is governance, um, is, is PR, is reputation management. So um, if, uh, if you've got the right blend um, whereby those important notions and disciplines um, are represented, but they're calibrated well against, hey, but you know what, this is actually what goes on around here, um, then I, I think you can get it right. Um, equally, of course, even if um, HR, talent, people and culture, whatever it is, um, have a relatively free reign, again, you want to make sure that it's appropriate, you want to make sure that, that there's some kind of governance around it. Um, people always used to say, 
um, freedom in a, within a framework. And whenever I hear an organization now saying, oh, you know, we give our people a, a freedom you know, within a framework, I often kind of think actually that means that you're a really autocratic environment <laughs> and no one can do anything. So getting that balance right is really important. And have you seen any great examples of user-generated content that has worked really well? So unpolished, authentic, to use that other buzzword, that's kind of just, just gone crazy and been highly successful? Yeah, I mean, I, I think our most successful uh, emerging talent program um, was was absolutely about that. So uh, we put in place a, a tool, and so this was looking for about three or four hundred graduates and, and um, uh, interns um, across sixteen European countries. Um, so it was a very well known FMCG business, and in itself, um, you know, you've got a very very strong brand with a lot of con very strong consumer brands, and then you've got all these different countries. So part of the, the strategy and the thinking there is we're never going to be able to represent that well enough at a corporate level. I mean, you could have worked with my team for, for years trying to cover every eventuality and it just wouldn't have happened. So um, we pulled together um, an integrated uh, careers website campaign, social media events program, which followed on with, from the consumer marketing environment. Um, and then we put in place a tool whereby people were able to uh, generate um, you know, great stories, content, whatever it might be, um, submit it into the tool. It would be approved, make sure no one's saying something absolutely horrendous. Um, it would be topped and tailed with nice items. And then it would be um, published onto YouTube and, and various other social medias and then on the website. Um, so we had hundreds of stories, hundreds of them, um, which just looked absolutely fantastic. Um, and again, the key thing there is that if you're able to engage um, individual countries and individual locations, which we did through some gamification and, and some, some uh, incentives and brand ambassadors, we don't like that term anymore, but or people don't, um, then you can get some really good stuff out there. So uh, there's some really good examples as well in the marketplace um, and some very good PR going up, up around about it right now. Um, so yeah, user-generated content, really important for lots of reasons. What about directly advertising roles through social media, whether you're using Facebook advertising or, or LinkedIn, rather than their career sections or their, their traditional job pages, but actually directly marketing through social, is that effective? It can be. Um, obviously, traditionally, when people first started using social media, you just get blitzed every day with, with a job feed, in effect. Um, and clearly that's not such a uh, that's not such a sensible way forward. So um, if you've got the appropriate blend of um, corporate content, product, innovation, location, uh, career segments, careers, EVP, whatever it might be, a community in events, DNI, sustainability, CSR, you know, there's a massive content that you can talk about. So if three or four percent of your content actually, do you know what everyone, we really need great people here, then I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That said, I do think um, better for these kind of um, direct hiring opportunities to be um, promoted by our own people. Um, again, when it comes to referrals, humans are funny old things. We're more than happy to recommend cars to each other and, and, and beer and, and, and good food and all sorts of stuff. But for some reason, we never really are that keen on promoting or referring our own company and our own jobs. Um, however, I do see some change in there. And if there was direct hiring, um, I'd see referrals as being a good wrap around that. Excellent.